the hard shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan subscribe and drive no deposit no compromise no fuss find out more at nissan.ie Now, today is National Lollipop Day, the 27th of April, a campaign set up by the Esophageal Cancer Fund to raise awareness of the disease. Professor Jacinta O'Sullivan from Trinity Centre for Health Sciences at St. James's Hospital in Dublin joins me now to talk about esophageal cancer. Jacinta, you're very welcome to the hard shoulder. Um, You uh, you might... uh, I apologise in advance for some of these... um, quite obvious questions but esophageal cancer it is cancer of of the esophagus obviously which is from the throat to the the, to the stomach is it yes absolutely Karen. thank you for having me on so um we've worked with the esophageal cancer fund over 10 years now to try and advance the clinical and scientific discoveries around diseases of the esophagus so for your listeners the esophagus is also known as the food pipe, that it's this hollow tube that connects the back of the throat to the stomach. And the main function is to push the food, you know, from the back of the throat uh, to the stomach to start the whole digestion process. But when we look at the biology, we're really interested in what's going wrong in the cells that line the esophagus that give rise to inflammation in the esophagus that will actually predispose then patients to be at heightened risk then for developing esophageal uh, cancer. How many people are diagnosed with esophageal cancer here every year? So there is approximately about 450 to 500 people each year. Um, And those numbers, it might seem small in comparison to the incident rates for other cancer types, but the prognosis for these patients is quite poor. Uh, The survival rates are about 15 to 20%. And unlike other cancer types, there's very few targeted therapies that exist for treating this type of cancer. Uh, Currently, the standard of care therapy might be just a combination of radiation and chemotherapy, but only 30% of patients will respond to that combinational treatment. Okay. So, so therefore, we're treating 70% of patients with a current regime that really doesn't work. Okay, so is that the reason for the low survival rate? I mean, how, how easily detected is esophageal cancer? Is that another issue? Yeah, so I suppose this is work that has been funded by the Esophageal Cancer Fund. We want to really detect this cancer at the earliest possible stage. And like with any cancer um, type, early detection is key and is directly linked to improved survival rates. So with funding from the Esophageal Cancer Fund, we set up this Barrett's Registry. And just to explain what Barrett's esophagus is, um, so the cells in a healthy esophagus would be very flat looking and very white looking. And when these cells are exposed to, let's say, acid that's coming up from the stomach or other factors that might cause damage to the cells, they go from a flat appearance to a tall morphology appearance and they become really inflamed. And this is the earliest um, changes in the morphology of the esophagus and early changes in the esophagus. And this is known as Barrett's esophagus. So we would have probably about 650 patients diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus every year. And probably there's a lot more people that have Barrett's esophagus that just haven't gone to be referred to have a scope to look down their esophagus, to look for changes in the esophagus. So if you have Barrett's esophagus, you do have an increased risk Mm. of going on to develop esophageal cancer, but we need to have these Barrett's esophagus patients on a surveillance program and, and to follow them. How, how, how might you develop Barrett's esophagus? 
Yeah, so so the, the, the current hypothesis is that, you know, with constant and persistent acid reflux um, that can damage the cells in the esophagus, this can cause the cells then to become inflamed and can actually change the appearance of the cells that line the esophagus. Um, and it's all these initial changes that cause the cells to be damaged and that actually cause the cells to become inflamed. So this is the area earliest signs we can see down a scope that there is changes occurring in the esophagus of these patients. Okay. But it's important to point out these patients don't have cancer yet. They just have an inflammatory condition of the esophagus. Okay, because I, I, I was saying I don't want to terrify people because there'll be a lot of people listening to this who will suffer acid reflux, uh, maybe intermittently, maybe after eating or consuming certain foods or drinks. I mean, how concerned should they be if it's something that comes and goes? Yeah, no, it, it has to be persistent. And if, if you go on the OCF site, um, it's excellent for the early warning system. So, you know, now and again, we all have to pop a Rennie after, you know, a hot curry. Um, but it's that persistent acid reflux that just doesn't go away and that you're taking antacid tablets constantly. Then you should go to your GP and get referred. Um, it's a very simple procedure. Um, it's a little camera that's put on a flexible scope and they can assess the esophagus just to see if there's anything, you know, um, that looks a bit um, strange. And mm. if it does, it can be um, treated very, very easily. So, so it's nothing to be frightened about. It's just a Again, early detection. It's that persistent acid reflux and heartburn um, that um, should be alarm bells. Uh, so when, because uh, I'm about to ask you what can be some of the causes of esophageal cancer. I mean, is it the type of things then that cause the acid reflux uh, to be persistent that consequently causes the cancer or, or can there be other causes as well? Yeah, I, I suppose what we're hypothesizing is that it's the maybe persistent acid reflux, you know, coming from the stomach can actually damage the cells in the esophagus and that cause them to become inflamed. Now, in any different cancer, in many different cancers, you know, the cancers start from chronic inflammation in an organ. So the, 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 the greater level of inflammation in the esophagus will put somebody at risk of developing esophageal cancer. But it's really important to say that even if you have Barrett's esophagus, there's a very, very small chance that you will go on to develop esophageal cancer. Um, it's less than 1%. But what we're trying to do with the Esophageal Cancer Fund is create platforms that we can identify who is at risk and who's not at risk. And that's where the Barrett's registry plays an important role. Okay, so at least if you fit the bill, you fit this description you're talking about, you end up on that registry. Very, very slim chance that you'll develop cancer, but at least you're now on the registry and you will be closely monitored. Absolutely. The registry is key because these Barrett's patients will come in for a scope every two years. Um, all detailed clinical, pathological and lifestyle factors now we're um, capturing from all of these patients. And it's quite interesting. There's 8000 um, patients on this registry and this is connecting six hospitals in Ireland. And, you know, one of the interesting things I think is coming out of it is that, you know, over 75% of our Barrett's patients are either overweight or obese. And we know that obesity is tightly linked to the development of esophageal cancer. So if we can educate these um, Barrett's esophagus patients that, you know, a healthy diet and lifestyle 
could actually even further reduce their risk of developing esophageal cancer would be very important. Well, listen, it's, it's heartening to hear of all the work uh, being done. We appreciate your time, Professor Jacinta O'Sullivan from Trinity Centre for Health Sciences at St. James's Hospital Dublin to mark National Lollipop Day, which is to raise awareness of esophageal cancer. 